0: Hey, friends. Welcome back. We're here for season two, episode two of Resurrection Stories, our new podcast here at Resurrection, where we're telling the stories of some of the amazing people, including staff and members here at our Leewood location and beyond it. From all of our locations, we're telling our stories. We want you to know some of these wonderful people.
1: I'm Angie McCarty. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm so grateful to be the co-host for season two. I look forward to hearing these stories just as much as you do, and we hope that you'll like them enough to share this podcast with everyone you know. Post us on your social media, send us, um, send the site to your friends and family We just think that these stories are super important
0: super important look
1: forward to hearing them and sharing them with you
0: and you can do that by going to core.org forward slash podcasts and you can find the resurrection stories podcast and then share that link on your social media outlets and with all your circle of influence thank you so much for doing that and we also want to invite folks to come over and experience us in person angie
1: there's always something happening here for people of all ages kids student ministries Adults of all ages, especially weekend worship services, I think are the, the heart of our church and when you can experience the, the most of what resurrection has to offer. So you can look on our webpage and find all of our locations and all of the worship times there.
0: And please know that we, you know, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be a mature believer. Uh-huh. Uh, we're a church where non-religious and nominally religious people can become deeply committed Christians so even if you're struggling with belief if you have serious doubts we invite you to come and still be a part of our fellowship we want to meet you we want to get to know you we want to love on you and find ways that we can serve you and today in our first second episode of season two Angie we're gonna interview one of the amazing people here that you and I both are so impressed with she's so mature and uh, you made an observation about her. You've never seen her, was it frazzled? Frazzled. She's never frazzled. Yes, Mm -hmm. and she's so young and so mature and so focused, and so we're gonna begin our interview with Lydia Kim.
1: Lydia, thank you so much for being here today, taking time out of your schedule to talk with us about your story. Let's start by having
2: you just tell us how you got here. A little, yeah, about your family, whatever you want to share with us. Okay, so I am born and raised um, Kansas Cityan, so I grew up in the suburbs of Olathe, um, went to school here for undergrad, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Um, that might get me some <laughs> mm-hmm. you feelings later. divided yourself there. Sorry, yeah. but that's where I went to school, Yes, um, and I am a, a master, so I got my... Undergrad in psychology, so I've always been really interested in people and their brains and their emotions and their feelings. And I later on went to Fuller Theological Seminary and I studied marriage and family therapy. And I lived out on the West Coast in LA for about 10 years doing marriage and family therapy as a therapist. And um, I got the call um, to come home for family reasons. And so I moved back to Kansas City, I think in 2016, um, and got the call officially to become a pastor. I think I got the call probably longer like earlier on in my lifetime, but I just didn't respond to it. Um, And, yeah, I went to seminary at St. Paul School of Theology, and they told me about resurrection, and that's how I got involved here um, at the big church. How long have you been at Resurrection and what is your position? Okay, so I started out in 2016 in October working in the uh, Kids' Corps Nursery and childcare, Care, which is now Resurrection Kids. Uh, and so I worked as a nursery coordinator developing curriculum for the youngest members of our church, um, which is part of my background child development and psychology. Uh, and then I became a pastor about two years ago. That's when I was officially appointed here. Yeah. And what specific kind of ministry do you do here? Yeah, so I'm a connection and care uh, pastor, so I work basically congregational care. Yeah. You enjoy? I do. I love it. It really brings to light what I did in my past as a therapist, Mm -hmm. Um, caring for people, being there for their families and talking about things that are um, often a struggle or difficult and being able to sit with them in their stories and hear them and also pray with them, which is something I would never be able to do um, as a therapist because I worked with the Department of Children and Family Services. So since I worked for county, um, was not allowed to talk about faith and really thought that was a bummer because um, our faith is really integrated into who we are and how we're feeling. And so um, being a pastor allows me the opportunity to talk about those things a little bit more freely than I would have as a therapist.
0: That's so awesome. And just gonna, just in a moment, uh, ask you a question about your faith journey. Mm-hmm. We're here to tell your, tell your story. That's what this podcast, Resurrection Stories, is all about, mm-hmm. is telling the stories of some of the wonderful people who work on staff here and who are members of our congregations from any of our locations. So th- again thank you for coming on but I want to ask a fun question before we get to your story. So tell us about your either your favorite all-time movie or a movie you've seen the most recent movie you've seen that you really enjoyed. Okay. You like to share with the
2: Favorite movie all-time. viewers all time. Okay, so since you're not giving me a genre, I'm just going to pick one because I have favorite movies for different genres. But I think I could watch over and over again the first three original Star Wars movies because they're just epic. And the st- and I really just love the... Characters and the character development. Um, and also, it's funny. Um, there's a little bit of romance in there, and it's the story about good and evil and about love and um, what love looks like when we aren't caring for ourselves, that it causes harm and on a, a universal level. Um, so, and it's about good, good overcoming evil. Um, and there are parts of it that are really sad, but there are parts of it that the story ends joyfully. So, um, and so yeah, that's an epic one, so that's probably my wow. favorite, and I wow. would watch it, I could watch it over and over again. Do
0: you like Lord of the Rings? Just
2: I do, watch. but probably not as much as the Star Wars series, although I can tell you right now that there are certain Star Wars movies I could just deal without. so.
1: Yeah. I, yes, <laughs> we don't even need to name those. Exactly, like they never them. existed.
0: We won't even name uh-huh. them, so we'll, I'm just, with you. well let's let them.
1: Yeah. Let's. We'll just, let, just pay for Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not surprising to me that you would like a movie series that has so much to do with good overcoming evil because that is our hope mm-hmm. in our faith. Um, so, so share with us your faith story. Mm-hmm. Just a brief synopsis, and we'd love to hear specifically about kind of the the changing point or the. Um, The moment, the defining moment Mm. in your
2: faith journey. Okay, so I grew up in an interesting household. So my parents are immigrants from Korea. My mom grew up in an all-Buddhist family. She is the only Christian. And my dad grew up in a Catholic, almost kind of agnostic family, and he's also the only Protestant. Um, And they came to faith, um, my mom came to faith early, and so we grew up in the church, but it was for cultural reasons. My dad wanted us to have access to Korean language, Korean culture, and the place to get that in Kansas City, especially in the 80s and 90s, was in the Korean church. So that's where I grew up. we did a lot of church hopping, though, as I call myself a church mutt, because pretty much any <laughs> denomination you can think of, we've been to it. Um, and so I got a lot of exposure to different aspects of the good and the bad of each denomination, which I think in a lot of ways has been a blessing. Because I think part of who I am as the United Methodist now is, is deeper, um, because I like I like took away things from each denomination that we were part of that I thought were like, this is it. We don't have it. It's not perfect, but this is a really amazing aspect of God and about the church that I want to take with me. Um, So I grew up in the church and I can't um, exactly pinpoint when I knew, um, but I actually accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior at six. And that is a, that's like the moment I knew, um, but, and I just kind of rolled with it. Like, this is who I was. This is who God was. Jesus came and, you know, died and rose from the dead. And like, we were going to all have a chance at everlasting life. And then in high school, I experienced significant loss through high school and college. Um, I lost five of my friends, um, three to suicide and two to illness um, back to back. And it shook me. And so the message that I got from my youth group leader, unfortunately, was that God had a purpose or a bigger plan. Like these people had to die so that you could know Jesus. And I was like, I already know who Jesus is. I don't need these people to die for me to understand that. And um, also being told that my friends had, you know, made a poor choice, and that, oh. you know, that, um, you know, they needed help. Mental health was. Was um, a significant factor into um, them committing suicide or completing suicide. So um, that really shook me, and I realized I can't say at a church that believes that um, God's grace is isn't as isn't bigger than this, isn't um, isn't more powerful. His love isn't greater than. This person suffering from mental health issues. So I was like, I'm out. Like I can't stay at this church that I was attending. And so I did a lot of roaming around. Did a lot of getting angry with God until I actually found myself at a United Methodist Church, um, and realizing that like it wasn't just about the feelings, or it just wasn't about like these are all the rules and the things that you have to do to be a Christian. That there was that God's grace was bigger and powerful and was always there with us, and that you know that there was more space and more room at the inn and at the table than um, some of my other faith, the other churches that I had attended when I was younger. So that's how I became a United Methodist, and that really changed my life because I also went from being a kid who probably was called really early and thought, but women can't be pastors. Women can't be leaders because that's what I was not necessarily told in person but was there were no women in the pulpit. There were no women in like in the meetings with all of the like lay leaders. So whether or not people were saying it, the church was telling me like indirectly that you didn't belong here. <laughs> Which is funny because my parents were like Oh, yeah. Women were at the table. Women are the reason why everybody knows about Jesus. <laughs> you know, like, think about the women at the tomb, at the empty tomb. They were there. They're the ones who spread the good news. And then, you know, at first the disciples didn't believe them, but they were the ones who were told to share the good news. So it was a very much like, okay, like, my church says this, my parents say this. And unfortunately, instead of trusting my gut I, and my family, I trusted what the church had to say. Um, and so yeah, it it took a while to get to where I am. But um, once I found the United Methodist Church and started seeing women in the pulpit and started seeing women in leadership, I was like, oh, I have no excuses now. This is like (laughs) a thing. I can't run from it anymore. And so when I came back in 2016, I was like, all right, we're going to seminary. We're going to do this. And so, um, yeah, that's how I became a pastor and went to seminary. You say that you were called to ministry
1: and didn't quite pay attention to that. I would challenge you a little bit on that because you were in ministry mm-hmm. long before mm-hmm. you came here, yes. right. before you became a pastor. <coughs> yeah. I yeah. can only imagine how difficult working in Child Protective Services in L.A. Oh, yeah. was. Oh, my I'm, goodness. Yes. You must have seen so much pain yes. and heartache, and you were able to be a care provider, a, a pastor.
2: Mm-hmm because that's your nature. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, I think for me, it's been one of those things that I wanted to provide care. And so I was like, how do I get around all of these legalistic things within the church that I was growing up in that said, you can't do that as this. So I was like, well, I can do therapy, like, you know, or you can do education because those were things that women could do in the church was we can educate the kids, which I was like, that's a big role. I'm just going to say it. Um, But if you want, if you don't want to do it, then sure, I'll take that. And then um, just providing care as a counselor. Mm-hmm.
0: So as a counselor, as we move towards a close, as a counselor, how are you? How do you draw the boundary or draw the line between caring for others and then caring for yourself? How are you doing that? You, I think, Angie and I both think you're so mature and so kind. And uh, I've never seen her where she was creating.
1: I've never Negative seen you energy. frazzled. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Surely you do. Tell us that you do. Oh, yeah. All okay, the time. You. I I just thank I'm just really good hiding <laughs> it. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Well, great.
1: Yeah, great. that's a good that's coping great.
0: mechanism. That's great. You're, you're a non-anxious <laughs> presence around oh, us. That's we good. need more non-anxious uh-huh. presences. Yeah. Okay, so. good,
2: because I feel anxious.
0: <laughs> you just don't know
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's definitely a Jesus thing. <laughs> Um, boundaries, I think, are incredibly important, like you said, and I think how we develop boundaries is by caring for ourselves. Like, um, you know, we, we live by the, you know, the golden rule to love God and to love others as ourselves, and so that means that we have to take care of ourselves. We have to be in relationship with God, and we also have to be in relationship with ourselves, and ourselves includes our emotional health, our spiritual health, and also our physical health, and, um, I know that people are busy and life happens and sometimes the balance goes a little off kilter and that's normal and that's okay. That's why we need God and Holy Spirit and we need the church. We need one another. But really seeking that balance, striving to care for uh, making sure that I'm exercising, making sure I'm spending time um, in quiet time, making sure I'm part of a small group and actually attending worship um, and being surrounded by my friends and family when I need to take a break and going and get coffee with people, which is like a definite way of caring for myself. Those kind of things have been really informative and important to be able to balance those things. Um, Because without it, I think my boundaries would be poorer. um, Because like, if I'm not healthy spiritually, if I'm not healthy mentally, then what I bring to the table is not my best self. And so then when someone is telling me their hard stories, it's a lot easier to drop the ball or to not listen actively or to end up saying things that maybe I wouldn't have normally said had I been like 100% present, so. That's
0: awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, one thing, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember hearing that you are quite an accomplished cellist. This rumor keeps going <laughs> around. I, I mean, I just call it like I see it or call it like I hear it. Music was a big part of your life.
2: Yes. Growing up, my dad really wanted me to be a musician. For some reason, he thought it was going to be an easy job. He was like, oh, being a musician is so much easier than being a counselor or a doctor or an engineer. And I was like, you have no idea. Um, So I I wasn't ready to commit to it because the sheer number of hours that you sacrifice um, to become a musician, I mean, you have to love it. Um, but I was like, no, I think I kind of like Jesus and God, and people more. So I was like, I can I can enjoy it, um, and I had a lot of fun. But really, music was the outlet for me to be able to meet more people who had these in- incredible stories that I wanted to hear and people I wanted to get to know. So
0: I didn't know that. I mm-hmm. know she's giving away all my secrets. She's I don't know how she knows. I don't think I know any other secrets. <laughs> okay,
2: good. I will keep make it up. Some. <laughs>
0: Do you still play?
2: Um, I haven't played since COVID because I developed Carpal Tunnel while we were all online for a lot because I was going to school as well. So a lot of the typing kind of Mm -hmm. irritated um, some bad habits that I had as a cello player. And so, um, yeah, I hold my bow incorrectly, much to my, like, original professor's chagrin, so...
0: So cool. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. And uh, we know you're going to continue to do amazing things at Resurrection and uh, invite other folks your age. I know you're (laughs) going to invite them to come see Resurrection, see what we're doing over here. I think we have a lot of stuff going on for young adults. you agree?
2: I do. We do. And it was a pleasure being with y'all.